understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. Guys, real quick, today's episode of The Stranded is sponsored by none other than Instapodcast. If you've never heard of Instapodcast, that's my podcast management agency, and there's nothing wrong with a shameless plug, right? My podcast management agency that we started in 2019 with the intent to help business owners, entrepreneurs, and creatives just like yourself connect on one of the most popular platforms on the internet right now that allows you to have true intimacy and vulnerability with your audience, and that is podcasting, to share your story, to share your message, your experience, and your knowledge through one of the most powerful mediums. And what we did was take away the hardest, most difficult part of it. We do the tech and the production for you so that you get to focus on the two most important things, which are content and marketing, so that the world can hear your message. Because I know, one thing I know for certain is that you have a message that can put words to something that someone else is experiencing that they don't know how to put words to. And so it's time to put your message out there. But the problem is, is you're scared of how much work it's going to take. And Instapodcast takes away all of the work for you so that you can focus on what's most important about the podcast, which is just delivering and serving your audience. So run over to instapodcast.com right now, schedule and book your first call with one of our reps or me, and we will get you started with your popular podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Stranded Phase podcast. We are back with another incredible guest, and this one in particular is the one that I have been dying to share with you because you guys know it's so important to me to share with you people that I have tested and worked with on my own and have proof that what they offer, what they do and how they help transform you works. It truly matters and it works as we grow as individuals, as people, as business owners, entrepreneurs, and just um, partners and humans on this earth. And so um, this person in particular was important because if you were an attendee of Innovative Income Summit that we recently had with over 120 women, or you're a listener of this podcast, you've heard me talk about something that in the minds of many is considered skeptical, but it is something that has changed my healing journey over the last two years, um, made me feel like I have fast-tracked so many things that were important um, in my journey. So I'm so, so excited to welcome my own like hypnotist, the person that I have worked with over the last two years. She's a certified hypnotist, a comedian, an author, an irrepressible creative, and what she considers a renaissance broad. So <laughs> we are excited to welcome Tracy Kanan to the Strain of Face podcast. Welcome, thank Tracy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, this is a long, long overdue podcast because (laughs) I think the question I get asked the most is what made you do hypnosis? What made you feel like you were ready? And then the one that I really want to dive into after you answer that loaded question is how did you trust it? I think so many people still think this is a thing where you wave a watch in front of someone's face, they end up in a trance and they lose control. Yes. So tell me a little bit about how people know they're ready for this, why this is a thing for you 
and then why they don't lose control. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. So first of all, I'll tell you a little bit about my journey on how I became a hypnotist. Um, the last 18 years, I tour the country as an internationally touring musical comedy headliner. And um, through my crazy journeys in January of 2009, I got hired to perform at a clothing optional resort. Okay. Um, uh, I didn't see a whole lot because it was January in Florida and it was very, very cold. And um, that was okay, but they thought it was funny enough. They had me come back every six to eight weeks for like the next six months or so. Uh, and then finally, uh, I had this weekend where I was scheduled to open for Judy Tenuta, who was also an Italian musical comedian. And someone looked at the schedule and said, oh, look, two Italian musical comedian broads. Let's fire one of them. So I was without a gig on that particular weekend. So I was married at the time. I said, hey, I've been performing at this clothing optional resort. Let's go for a weekend and see what it's like. And that one weekend probably changed everything for me. I started writing jokes about being a nudist. And then somebody liked my show and said, hey, I'm having this house party. We'd love to have you perform. And as an up and coming comedian, anytime you can get in front of people to tell jokes, you take the work. Yep. I didn't know at the time it was a swinger house party. And I'm like, wow, everybody's like, what a, what a way to let the guard down. Right. Everybody's screwing while I'm telling jokes. This is new. And um so anyhow, it just kind of ballooned from there. And I was like, you know what? I'll bet they don't have a comedian for nudist swingers and then eventually BDSM. So that was my kickoff. And I'm getting to how this ties into hypnosis in a minute. I started doing comedian, uh, comedy work for swingers and nudists for the next couple of years. And then I got to a point where they're like, hey, it's the 10th anniversary of the largest swinging website in the country. Why don't we'd like to put you up at a resort for a week and you entertain? And I was like, okay. And then the next week it was like, hey, next year celebrations in the Dominican Republic. We want to fly you to the Dominican Republic and you can tell jokes there. And I'm like, okay. And then the next week it's like, hey, we're going to Las Vegas next year. Uh, we want you to perform in Las Vegas. It's like, Okay. And so the next year is like, Hey, we're doing a swinger cruise. We want you to perform on the swinger cruise. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm getting to go all over the world as a comedian on the swinger cruise though. Um, they have a thing called the playrooms. So if you've ever been on a cruise, some of the cruises, they take the library, they take all the tables and chairs, they put beds in and that's where people play. Yeah. And I had heard about these playrooms. And uh, so I went to go, I was very curious. I went to go peek in and I heard this lady having a good time, like a really good time, like over and over and over and over a really, really, really good time. And I was like, I want what she's having. Right. How do I get there? And one of my friends says, have you ever heard of hypnosis? And I was like, no, I haven't. So she set me up with a friend of hers, and that was the start of my hypnosis journey. I just wanted to be multi-orgasmic. That was it. The next year, I ended up um, within the same week, leaving my husband and finding my mother unconscious and becoming her full-time caregiver. That was in 2005. So I got hit with a double whammy in one week. 
and I had started hypnotherapy school. And, um, you know, as you're going through hypnotherapy school, you're trying stuff on each other. And I had literally uh, done so much work on myself that by the time my mother died halfway through hypnotherapy school, the remaining sessions I had to work on myself were dealing with her loss and the fact I had given three years of my life to care for her. And I couldn't believe that in like a two hour session, the grieving for her was gone. It was just like a whole new life. So that's when I really was like, yeah, this is what I need to do for the rest of my life. And so, uh, so that's been my journey. And also it helped me, uh, the tricks that I teach my clients when they come, they're triggered by things that their boyfriend or their husband says, that was all stuff I went through in my divorce where, you know, I went from happily married with no children to the single mother of a 72 year old in a week. And so all the hateful words, you know, my mother's telling me, you're the worst daughter ever. I hate you. I wish I had never had you. And then I'm hearing the boyfriend say the same thing. You're the worst wife ever. I wish I never had you. And it was just like too much. So hypnosis and NLP and everything that I share with my clients all helped me get over that hump so that I can hear those words. You're the worst daughter ever. And I'm like, (laughs) really? Whatever. That's your bad trance and I don't have to accept it. You've literally done that exercise with me, but really quickly for those people who don't know, what is just uh, neuro explain NLP for a second. Uh, So neuro-linguistic programming, neuro is brain, linguistic is language and programming is doing it over and over. So neuro-linguistic programming came about in the seventies. They started studying successful people and realized shocker that successful people think differently than unsuccessful people. Correct. What's the difference? Successful people have good habits and they do them over and over. That makes them successful. Unsuccessful people have habits that they do over and over that make them unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. So if we could change the unsuccessful habits into successful habits, then anybody can be successful in what they want to endeavor. Mm. So that is, that is the crux of NLP. So the basic NLP stuff that people know, I'll try to do it. Well, try is like already implying failure instead of thinking I have done it. That's powerful because even if you haven't, you're in the mindset that I'm going to do it so I can say I have done it. Yes. Your, your first hypnotist is your mom. And my mom, through all her failings in her more lucid moments when I was younger, would say, after you graduate from college, then you can do what you want. How powerful is that? It wasn't like, ah, Trey, I don't know. I don't think I have the money. Uh, You're going to have to put your own way through college. It was after you graduate from college. So she had already planted in there that I was going to graduate from college. And that's the end of the story. And sure enough, I did graduate from college. Sailed Mm. right through because I was programmed from the age of four. Wow. So, okay. You said two very insightful things. One is that the age of four, my son's four. So I will get to work on this. Um, two, you said your first hypnotist is your mom. Yep. Yep. So how many, how many people, well, I would say the majority, but I want to hear it from your perspective. The majority of what you deal with when, when hypnotizing others, and it's not really hypnotizing, but you know, when working with people through hypnotism, are you usually dealing with 
the things that their mother and father have told them? Oftentimes, yes. Mm. Yeah, not always. Sometimes there's a bad, you know, a, a partner in there. There's a, a bad relationship. Sometimes there's some other lesson that they learned in school that they keep replaying in their head. But it's oftentimes the things that your parents first said to you that run the deepest because, you know, mama got to you first. So however you were treated as a kid, you took that all in as information. So if you were left alone a lot, you have a very different perspective than a kid who constantly had parents and had resources to support and love. So it's, it's just a very different as your mom is your first hypnotist or your dad, depending whoever raised you is your first hypnotist. Wow. That right there should tell people a lot about the reason why they have a lot of work to do and the reason why they need to talk to someone like you. Um, And I could, Um, go ahead. Some people had better hypnotists than others. You know, my mother was, (laughs) my mother was like a 50% hypnotist. (laughs) She did some things really, really well. And then there's other stuff that, oh my God, I'm still trying to fix. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's, it's not like I was up in the stars going, Oh, she looks good. And then I go into her body. It's like, you didn't have a choice. You don't have a choice. We have to fix, heal, deal, understand and embrace what we were given. Absolutely. And a lot of times that doesn't come into adulthood. Um, So here's, here's the entry level question, because I know majority of my audience hears me talk about hypnotism all the time. I've worked with you. I've referred all my friends to you. I've brought my mother to you. Yes, I, you my, my former partner went to you. Like we <laughs> did, we have been up all up in your office um, <laughs> and, and very impressed with the work that you do. And, and I 100% can say it's helped me get to the things immediately. And I've done therapy for six years and I was able to touch on and find and discover things that I didn't know were holding me back, which were so important. But what most people want to know is how do they know when they're ready for hypnosis? Um, Like when do I actually need hypnosis? The the truth is you're being hypnotized all the time there, whether it's me, whether it's this podcast, whether it's a TV commercial, whether it's your mother, whether it's social media, whether it's the news, uh, you're being hypnotized all the time. Uh, I'm finding now the more. Uh, the more I work as a hypnotist, the more I actually work as an unhypnotist because unbecoming people have been believing their own crap for way too long. And now they believe that there's no way out that they can't change. And so my first job as a hypnotist is to break that. And, you know, Hey, how did you get this way? Something must've happened. You didn't just naturally hate, uh, peppers or peanuts or, you didn't naturally have these allergies. You didn't naturally get triggered whenever your uh, ex-partner says something to you. This is all stuff you learned. So let's go ahead and figure out where all that came from and just start peeling it back. And let's break that trance. You know, let's figure out when you get triggered, what triggers you, and let's fix that. And then once we get you to like a neutral place, then let's go ahead and do the hypnosis and put the good stuff in. Cause the more I work with people, the, you know, I can hypnotize you. I can hypnotize anybody, but if they're still broken, the hypnosis is just like a mental bandage. And, uh, you know, like with, with smoking, I can hypnotize you to stop smoking. But if 
you still really associate being accepted by your peers as smoking, you're not going to want to give that up. Mm. So we have to go ahead and break that the association and replace it with the friendships and know that you're still going to be accepted, even if you quit smoking and fix that. And then we can put the good stuff in that you're a non-smoker for life. You will be accepted. People will love you whether you smoke or not. You are not your cigarettes. A piece of paper with rolled bits of brown shit in it is not your best friend. That's that's it. So you, okay, mouthful. This is so good because this is the way that I break down basically hypnosis for dummies as a non-expert. But what I always tell people, because people will go, well, what's, if I'm going to therapy, you know what, I need hypnosis. And obviously, I think you've told me this, there's stats out there that say that seven therapy sessions what, what would take you seven to 10 therapy sessions can get done in one hypnosis session. But what I felt like hypnosis was for me, like after two sessions was, I felt like, I remember you saying to me, um, I don't need to put you in a trance. There's nothing that we need to change crazy. We just need to address a lot of your triggers. And mm-hmm. I felt like what you did was like, it felt like to me that you opened a filing cabinet and you said, Oh, this one's a fat one. Let's pull this one out. And <laughs> you pulled it out and you opened it and said, Hey, you know, when you act like this, it's not who you are. It's because of this. You see mm-hmm. it. Let's yep. talk about it. Let's break it. Matter of fact, we're going to burn it. And then after we burn yep. it, we're going to open a new file and put new stuff in there and file it right back in. Yep. And so when you come back to that place of that action, that behavior, that trigger, you will now have a brand new thought associated with that thing. Yep. And it was to me, the difference between therapy and hypnosis, and you can please piggyback off of this, mm-hmm. is that there's a replacement offered. There is a solution offered. Yes. We're talking through the trigger and then we're saying, okay, I don't want to feel like this anymore when my partner says this. I don't want to feel like this anymore when I see my father. I don't want to feel like this anymore when I go to work. And then you're saying, okay, we can replace that because it's triggered by this. Yep. So let's get rid of this and replace it with that. It's, it's what you hold on to. So everybody's nervous system is designed for survival. So when something bad happens to you, your brain makes a neural pathway. that says, I don't want that ever to happen again. But what happens is that your brain is now looking for that because it wants to avoid it. So then you end up in this stupid loop of there it is again, there it is again, there it is again, instead of just oh there it is yeah whatever that's Mm. so old Uh, so you're you're constantly wired for survival so once you find that connection and you see what it's doing to you then we break that connection and then a lot of times now i think other mental health professionals are not allowed to change your memories so i have people that well i don't want to change my memories that defines who i am well you're going to be miserable in your mud pit yeah you're holding on to your mud instead of saying, you know what? It happened. It was a long time ago. Let's get past it. I need new mud. I need grass. I need a mountain. I need something else other than the mud that is keeping you stuck. And so that's what I do with people as I break that up. I'm like, oh, look at this pattern here. Isn't that amazing? How <laughs> You just keep stuck and stuck and stuck. Let's break that, get you out and get you to higher ground. Yes. So um, I only looked down because you said something and it reminded me of one of the questions one of my audience members asked. They said, aren't you afraid of what someone can do to your mind with your guard down? 
Ah, yes. And people are obsessed with this concept. They think that when you are under hypnosis or under this trance, that someone is going to do something to you that you can't take back. Okay. So the people who are most afraid of that are typically the most easily hypnotized. Because I say, <laughs> you know, you've been believing your own shit for so long. So here's the truth with hypnosis I can't make somebody do something that they don't want to do. Yep. And that's why. I personally work really hard with my clients so that I know what they want and I can word it in a way that it gets past the guard, which we call the critical factor in hypnosis. It's the brick wall that protects everybody, but they want something on the other side of the brick wall, but they can't get to it because of the brick wall. So I find out what it is they want, word it in such a way that it gets past the gatekeeper and it goes into their unconscious mind. So now the media is to blame for a lot of this because there's movies that depict uh, hypnosis as zombies. And then you have the stage hypnotists that have you do stupid stuff. And the person who's, I don't want them hypnotizing me. I'm not going to scoot across the floor. Like I just had hot, you know, too many I'm a chicken or whatever the, the thing is. So I, I can't make you do something you don't want to do. Having no. said that, there's a lot of shit people want to do. And they want to do it in front of an audience and hypnosis gives them a way to do that. There are some people that are um, very hypnotizable. <laughs> so I'm doing a stage show on a swinger cruise and I gave permission to all the ladies because it's a swinger cruise. If you'd like to get naked for someone, feel free, do that now. And every lady did it except for one. And the one lady was the most under the, I mean, and I could tell from her face, her face was just, she was truly a zombie and she would not take her clothes off. And I'm not the one to make her do that. Right. Right. She came up to me after the show. She's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I ruined your show. I'm like, you didn't ruin the show. She says, well, you told people that I could strip tease if they want. And I didn't. And she's, I just don't get it because I was a stripper. And I'm like, did you ever take your clothes off for free? And she went, hell no. And I went, I can't make you do something you don't want to do. So if it's not in your moral code to get naked for free, you weren't going to do it. Right. If somebody dangled a 20. It might have been a different story. Because <laughs> that's that. what you've taught yourself via, you said NLP via over and over and over again. If I get a 20 or whatever amount of money, I get naked. Yes. So now there is a small subsect of hypnotists that are creepy. Mm -hmm. um, you have that with every profession, honestly. Yeah. Cops. Um, <laughs> and, and the best thing you can do is to protect yourself, interview that hypnotist, um, look for videos of them online, look at interviews of stuff that they've done, um, do a consultation with them. And if you still get a good vibe, then go ahead and go for it. But if you're like, mm, yeah, something just ain't right. Don't work with that hypnotist because no matter how much money it is, it's a waste of money. Because if you don't trust your hypnotist, if your hypnotist is unwilling to work with what you want, don't work with that hypnotist. It's just money wasted. I trust Tracy with my life based on the consultation we had so much so that after, you know, five, seven sessions we did, I drove my mother down here four hours when she was battling depression to come see you. Mm -hmm. um, and we laughed the whole way home. 
<laughs> we laughed the whole way home. And for weeks after that, I would call her and I would say, are you okay? And she's like, I, I still can, I, I still have not had a day where I feel how I felt before I came down there. That's awesome. And she absolutely loved it. And you, and it was, it's so interesting because one of my favorite things about you and what I've learned about hypnosis, and I think this is just different based on the the style of hypnotism that you do is like, you know, everybody wants to be fixed, fix me, like fix it, Jesus. You know, like <laughs> I, I went in at one point with you and said, I can't stop getting triggered, trying to leave the relationship I'm in going in thinking, you know, I want to walk out and be over this man. And that that's not something you could do because I wasn't ready. But what you did do is help me every time certain things were said to me, I could laugh about them instead of get getting infuriated. Um, yep. And it was, it made it a lot easier for me to move through the transition I was in. Yeah. And I think similar, to what I saw you do with my mother is sometimes it's a simple shift in perspective. Mm -hmm. Like you got my mother to see my mother feels like now that her life is such a book and it's so funny. And yes. she's like, there's nothing to be upset about. Like it's, this is laughable. This should be in a, this should be authored in a book somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like she just was able to change her perspective. And I think my mother had been trained for so long. She doesn't know how to take responsibility of shifting her perspective. And so you just gave her that there was, mm -hmm. she's got 62 years or 65 years of mess. There was no going in in one session and healing that, but you were able to heal, like make her shift her perspective, which was a huge responsibility that she was not able to take on her own part. Yeah. Yeah. I do that a lot. I um, uh, just did four presentations at HypnoThoughts, which is one of the largest hypnosis conferences. Congrats. In the US. And one of my talks was called Imagination, Improvisation and Inductions. Oh my. And one of the demos that I did um, was with a young lady who is probably 24. Um, she says, I just have such horrible social anxiety and COVID has made it worse. So I said, have you been uh, sexually assaulted? And she says, yes, five times. And I said, give me the names of those five guys. <clears throat> and I said, who's the biggest one? And she said the name. And I said, okay, I want you to imagine how awful you felt when you were with that man. And honest to goodness, I was able to collapse all five sexual assaults in 35 minutes. All five. She was laughing about it. I'm like, and I'm trying to, one of my techniques is, come on, come on, bring it back. I want you to feel as horrible as you did when you started this class today. And she's just, her word was um, turkey chunklings. And she's just like, they're all turkey chunklings. And that was, <laughs> that was it. I'm like, yes. On. Come on, you were sexually assaulted by five different guys at five different stages of your life. And she goes, turkey chunklings, I'm good. Yes. <laughs> that that it's that was that. all stuff she gave me. You you I remember you walking me through one thing one time. And every time we looped it, you would say, Tell me the story again. And then you'd say, one to ten, how does it make you feel? Mm -hmm. And I'd say, Oh, eight. And you're like, You still want to cry? And I'm like, Yeah. And you're like, Okay, we'd walk through it again. Tell me the story again. And I told you this story for two hours until we got to the point by the last time I told you the story, I was laughing and it was not a laughable matter. And I was right. like, we're like, how does it feel? And I was like, what? And you were like the story. And I was like, I don't feel anything, you know, and, and people it's, it's just, it's such an interesting concept that I want people to be open to because it's not 
You're not going in and fixing it. Sometimes it's not even a level of forgiveness. You're fixing the way this trauma makes you feel. You, you said it best to me one time and I'll never forget. You said you felt a certain type of way in that traumatic moment. You had a feeling that was associated with that traumatic moment. If you never dealt with it, you just like inhibited that feeling and you kept it and you held on to it. So every time that memory occurs, you have the same exact emotion as if it just happened and it happened 15 years ago. Why would you, do you cry about your exes that you've gotten over? No, because you've let it go. You've gotten over it. You know that it was for the better. You have moved on and, and learned a gracious experience from it. Why, when we go back to our traumatic experience, just do we cry? Cause we, we never, we never got through that experience. We left it as it was with the same exact feelings. Yep. And I was like, oh my God, that's so true. Oh, yeah. Oh. There, there's so many loops. And, you know, people, they, they know something's wrong, but it's like, um, as I say, you know, you don't see brain surgeons giving themselves lobotomies. You don't see dentists giving themselves root canals. They don't have enough perspective from it because you've mm. lived your whole life learning these things as you go and it happens so slowly. So when somebody comes into my office, I'm out here in outer space looking down and I'm like, oh, look at all those dots, connect, 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 connect. And then I can, uh, I don't, it's a, I don't know, it's just how I work. It's but a I gift. See the patterns. I can see the patterns and go, all right, here's how you're keeping yourself stuck. You want to keep this or not? I don't care. Yeah, keep it if you <laughs> I want got to. Your money. I don't care. <laughs> Hold on to it all your life if you want to. <laughs> What's this doing for you? Oh, that's right. Nothing. <laughs> Why don't we let it go? <laughs> so, and I also do it. That's where my, my training as a comedian for 18 years came about because I have done nothing for 18 years, but study the connection between light and dark, between happy and sad. You don't know happiness until you've really experienced sadness. You don't know what light is until you've experienced darkness and you don't appreciate those so as a comedian i've trained myself to find you know this really sucks but there's something good on the other side of this how do i get myself there how do i get my clients there mm, the beauty oh. in the darkness the beauty yeah. in the darkness Ooh, that yeah. right there that that's the season I've, I've been in for the last year and so yeah. you've been a beautiful part of that um i want to bring this up though because somebody's question, which was, um, how do you know? And, and I want to use myself as an example, because this is the most beautiful example. This is the biggest transformation you walked me through unforgettable experience. I'll never forget. And the reason why I think it's so important to acknowledge was because when people say, how do you know when you're ready? This was something you walked me through that I had no idea I was dealing with. And I remember the first session I ever went to with you, I said exactly what you just said. I walked out and said, I don't know how that woman did it, but she connected all the dots. She just took it all full circle and said, here's what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. And on, I think it must've been like my third or fourth session. And I didn't even, again, subconsciously, I had no idea this was holding me back. You walked me through um, what was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life that even up until 19, I had forgotten about, I had completely just dismissed that it had ever happened. And mm -hmm. then telling a mentor one time, she was like, oh my God, you need to go work on that somewhere. Yeah. And you and I got into deep conversation. We walked through 
you know, the fact that when I was five years old, um, I watched my father beat the living hell out of my mother in front of me. And I sat on the couch, crisscross applesauce. I remember the outfit I had on. I remember the blanket that was covering me. And I remember watching and my father, and I've talked about this on my podcast before, so it's fine. My, my father ran into the back angry. My mother grabbed me. We went outside in the neighbor's yard and hid in the bushes. And my mother made me duck down in the bushes with her until my father was angry enough to drive off looking for her, I suppose. And I dismissed that for 15, 18 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And when you and I walked through it, you said, um, go back in the house, walk in the door, go see her with what you're wearing on right now. You know, you right now picture you walking in, go to that little girl, you know, give her a hug. And I will never fucking forget this shit. I cry every time I talk about it. You said, give her a hug and then give her a gift. And I sat there and you said, um, I was like, quiet. And you said, stop overthinking it. Just give her a gift. And I was like, (laughs) and you said, what is it? And I said, it's a circle. And you were like, okay, look at her, look at her eyes. What does she look like? I said, she's scared. And you said, okay, give her a hug again. And then turn her around and don't overthink it. Just look at the gift. What is the gift? And the minute I just kind of surrendered and let myself envision, it was a photo. It was the circle turned into a square and it became a family photo portrait of my family that we never took, that we never took. We Mm -hmm. never have taken, I don't have one family photo besides us at Disney world. when I was like three years old. Mm-hmm. I don't have one formal family photo. And that's when I was like bawling profusely because it made me realize that I've gone 32 years trying to recreate that family that my subconscious mind is like, this does not exist. Yeah. This does not exist. And when you pulled that out of me, that means I had went 31 years not knowing that that's what I wanted and needed thinking that I was fine. Mm-hmm. Like that transformation. And so when people say, how do I know when I'm ready? Sometimes I don't think you do know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and, you know, people come to me, what, what they come to me for is not the real reason why they're there. I never came to you and sat down and said, my father beat my mother and I need to heal it. I had yeah. no idea. They, they don't know that. You know, I had a lady who, um, this was the same demo as the girl with the, um, five sexual assaults, she couldn't snap her fingers. Here she's got to be a hypnotist and she couldn't snap her fingers. And I'm like, let's rule out, show me your hand. I want to make sure that we're nothing, nothing physical. Yeah. (laughs) I want to see all five. And she's, she's trying to do it and she couldn't do it. And the real reason why she couldn't snap her fingers is because when she was a girl and this woman was like in her late sixties, her mother told me children are to be seen and not heard. I said, really? Okay. I said, what did you end up doing with your life? She goes, I'm a writer. And I said, <laughs> perfect. So I said, don't listen to this. I'm talking to your hand. I go, thank you, hand, for talking for me all these years. But my voice needs to do something now. My voice needs to express itself. My voice has things to say. And while I appreciate you picking up the slack arm uh, for typing and writing, I need you to take a break because I need to talk now. And she just was like, oh, that's so silly. I, I don't know what that's going to go. I go. Yeah, just for fun. Try and snap your fingers. There it was. 
there it was. And people were like, whoa, it was a really cool demo. <laughs> but that was, it was a connection yeah. that children were to be seen and not heard. And uh, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't have to make sense to me. It has to make sense to her. And that's how she was raised. And that was her unconscious mind making that link. My, I'm like a detective. All I do is just find that unconscious link and then expose it and then heal it. So by telling her hand to take a break, it's time for the voices turn. She realized that was indeed the case and was able to snap her fingers and off we go. So it was, that was a fun demo. And, and that's the other part of replacement is what I didn't finish about that is you replace it. You said, okay, live in that photo for a moment. And what you're longing for is that, you know, the fact that you feel like that family doesn't exist, but then you said, go to your happiest moment of your childhood. Mm -hmm. And I imagined a Christmas, a year that we had a phenomenal Christmas and it was just the gifts. I just remember us all laughing, um, you know, and it was funny because a lot of their worst moments were when they were drunk, but I could imagine a Christmas where they were drunk and we had a ball. Right. Mm -hmm. And you said, and then I just take that still image and put it in the photo. And it made me change my perspective around what I thought was missing. Mm -hmm. So I was able just re to replace it with what felt good about my family. So it was a shift in my perspective. Mm -hmm. And then you told me to apologize to that little girl and tell her that she was silenced in that moment and look at what all she had done. Because what am I now? Like a, yeah. an audible messenger, literally an audible messenger. Mm -hmm. And you said, so you actually did the math for me. And I swear I created my website, a whole, <laughs> I, I rearranged my whole website after this. You created the messaging for me. You said, how many podcasts do you run a week? And I was like, at the time it was like 25. And you said 25 episodes times 32 weeks is, it was like 1800 shows. And you said, so you produce 1800 stories a year? And you were someone that was silenced as a child. And you said, tell that little girl that even though, you know, she was broken then down then and silenced, it was the very moment that she created a different version of herself. And it built the castle that she works in today. Mm -hmm. From that moment on, I've never been like, oh, I walk in fucking purpose. <laughs> like I walk in purpose, play with me. I walk in purpose <laughs> because Tracy said so, damn it. <laughs> awesome. But, um, something, something really cool that I would love for you to tie in. And it's still my structured tight ass has had a hard time with it, but it's mm -hmm. one of my favorite things about you to embrace is the replacement of things with comedy. Is that oh, like yeah. your technique? Or is that, that a is, hypnosis technique? That is my technique. And actually, I just taught that class. I did a whole day seminar on hilarity and hypnosis, using laughter to break trances and create lasting changes. Mm. And um, yeah, that is that is my technique. I found another uh, hypnosis technique that I really loved and really embraced. And the guy who taught it was very funny, but not a comedian. And I'm like, I'm funnier than that. And so I actually invited him to my workshop and he attended and um, he was just so thrilled that what I had done with his technique and he has four levels. I just finished his level one training. So I still have a ways to grow with him, but he was just so blown away by what I had done. And it was just taking funny things from my clients and then using it back at funny times. 
So um, I'm trying to think some of the funny stuff I did. I had one client who he had been bullied and um, uh, there was a, a TV show that he liked where the character says, all right, all right, all right. And yes. Yes. I, I don't know the show off the top of my head, but um, it's a comedian. It's another yeah. comedian. Yeah. 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 And so I said, go ahead, go back. And I imagine being bullied by this guy in second grade who beat the hell out of you and um, go ahead, be there now. And so he went back to that time. And I said, I did my little tapping thing. All right. It's time to let it go. All right. All right. All right. And he just started laughing. And that was nothing that I did. I deliver it funny, but he gave me the words. And then he, other words had triggered him like being called a pussy. And now he's laughing. I'm like, come on, you pussy. This wasn't funny a half hour ago. Come on, you pussy. And I'm just like, all right, all right, all right. And, <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, come on, bring it back. Bring it back, you pussy. Come on, let it bother you. All right, all right, all right. And so I'm scrambling with what yep. it's called a good, bad collapse. So I take the bad and I give it a funny and then it just collapses. It can't last. No, you can't, you can't be you can't be laughing and you can't be pissed at the same time. You have to pick one. That part. One crazy feels better than the other. Can't have pain <laughs> and pleasure at the same time. But not everybody knows how to get to funny. So that's where I can, you know, weave my magic. You used a chicken on me before. I think. Yeah, a rubber chicken. Like a, a rubber chicken. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think my boyfriend was outside going, what the hell do you do that squeezing a rubber chicken? I'm like, it wasn't me. It was her. <laughs> But it was great. It was a phenomenal replacement for some triggers. And I were yeah. at this point in the game, you hand me something. I'm like, here we go. Just embrace <laughs> it. Like, it's this will I'll be happy when I walk out. I know that. Um, <laughs> you know, even even entry I the 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 other thread I get give everyone is the surface level shit. Some of the surface level shit you've done with me was which was uncovering that I've had a really difficult time accepting gifts from men. Mm -hmm. And, um, because I always think it's associated with bad behavior and you walked me through the funniest shit ever. And it was like how, <laughs> you know, when I sit in the car that someone bought me, it's, it's someone tapping me on the ass. Cause they love me. <laughs> That's right. And when I close the door, it's like, when I put my seatbelt on, it's like somebody giving me a hug <laughs> and it was just all these like replacement concepts. But like, I will never forget the next day I was driving in my car and I was like, this is the first time I don't feel like someone has control of me in my vehicle. Mm -hmm. I feel free. And so it, it, comedy seems surface level for some people not willing to try it or on the outside looking in, but it's the replacement piece. It's the shift. You have mastered it. I swear. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I work differently. There, there is the hypnotist that will say, lean back, relax dangle the watch or they'll do these long inductions. But uh, lately I do a lot more covert hypnosis because traditional hypnosis has such a bad rap. People are a little skeptical when they come to someone's house or office. They're like, what are you going to make me do? And so I feel like starting off with the waking hypnosis so that they're an active participant in it. Because mm -hmm. trance is... Um, talking with your unconscious mind and your unconscious mind, people are in trances all day long. You're in good trances, you're in bad trances. So people who are in a bad trance have a bad day. They hold on to bad thoughts. They have a bad mindset. I don't have to go 
all right, get really relaxed. And now imagine that time when you were five or three and your mom grabbed you and you were, I don't have to do that. I can just say your mom took you into the bushes, go. And you're there. Yeah. And, and now what do we do? I don't have to, you know, spend 20 minutes of somebody's hard earned money with this nonsense because I've been active in every year instantly because they've been doing it their whole lives. It's not like I have to take more time to do this. I've been active in every session that you've ever done. When is it 100% necessary? Have you ever been in a situation where it's been hundred percent necessary to put someone in a trance? Yes. When they're, um, <laughs> they don't want to deal with their shit. <laughs> Can you just hypnotize me? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, sometimes if it's just like a minor thing, you know, I can usually fix it in the intake and then, uh, the hypnosis will take care of it. And then some people just aren't ready to do that work and they just want a couple of suggestions to get them by. I, mm-hmm. I play it by ear. Yeah. That's really based client. on the situation. Wow. But, but my goal is to, you know, pro- as I tell on my website professionally, I never want to see you again. I think one of the biggest abominations of mental health is this trap that you have to come in week after week or once a month. And then we put you on medications when really everybody has the tools inside them to get past what it is that hurts them, but they just don't know how to access it. So I'm like a bridge between where you are and where you want to be. And there's no medication on my bridge. My favorite thing about you is I call you when I need you. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have to go monthly. I'm just like, shit, this is really bothering me. And I'm really stuck. I need to call Tracy. Yep. Like I, and I still come back. <laughs> you yeah. see me when I need you, but yeah. it's not, it's not therapy that if, oh, if you skip a week, you're not this, you're not prioritizing yourself. No, I call you when I need you. And we get there. Yeah. We get there. And that's, um, I, I just, like I said, I got shit to do. I don't want to hear your shit week after week. <laughs> I know I'm like weird like that. It's not a good business model, but I don't care. I do this because I love it. And because I want people to get better. I don't, I have everything I can possibly want. I want people to get better. I want people to enjoy life. I want people to live. I want people to laugh and you can't be living and laughing. If you're in my office <laughs> one week of one hour a week. Nope. For the rest of your life. I just, for the rest of your life. I don't like that model. So last one for anybody on the fence feeling, um, like some things are arising unhealed stuck. Um, you know, just triggered. Uh, Like I, I feel like when you're trigger happy, that's when it's time, but what would your like last final message be to somebody that's just very curious and on the fence about hypnosis? Um, I would say find a hypnotist that you're comfortable with. It'd be great if it was me, but it's okay if it's not. Find a, uh, Do your homework on your hypnotist. Find out what their specialty is. Find out what their background is. Um, do the one-hour consult. Sometimes, sometimes they charge, sometimes they don't. Um, but find out what they're about. Find out what their expertise is, and you'll know. You'll just know because you're like, oh, yeah that's the one for me. End of story. Now you found your vehicle, but if you're still really skeptical, um, I just don't know, you know, I just don't trust it. You're obviously not hurting enough to fix it. So, and that's okay. 
I'll be here when you are. <laughs> and not hurting enough to fix it. And <laughs> that part. Yeah. I mean, that that's what it comes down to. Yeah. It's, you know, and then, you know, hypnosis, people are like, they're so skeptical of it. It's like they've tried everything else. And they're like, well, I haven't tried hypnosis. And then they're like, what? This is amazing. How come, <clears throat> you know, how come? No one ever uh, told me about this. No one ever told me about this. Well, they don't want you to know that it's effective. It's <laughs> because, so effective. Because they're not making money off of writing your prescription. They're not making money off of your prescription. They're not making money off of you not coming in week after week. So it's, you know, it's just one of those things. I love it. Everybody's got to get, and everybody's got to find their own path, you know? And then I have people who are like, um, hypnosis of the week club. Well, I heard that eye movement therapy is amazing. Or I've heard that EMDR is amazing. And, and I've tried this and I, and that really worked for me. Well, awesome. Good. It's supposed to work. Whatever <laughs> works for you to work. My theory is to learn them all. And then on the fly, I decide what you need at that moment. So mm -hmm. I can pop in and out of modality. So with your situation, we did a little bit of childhood regression without a, a formal childhood regression, which is going back and giving that little girl a hug and giving her a gift. Um, <clears throat> we did parts therapy where there's a part of you that's keeping you stuck and a part of you that wants to go forward. So I have them duke it out. Um, I don't know. I pull from about 50 different modalities. So, and, and so my, I, I'm on the fly. It's not like I have just one method and I put everybody into my method. No, not everybody needs that one method. They need somebody that can adapt to what they throw at them on the fly. Cause everyone is different. And this is what yeah. I appreciate about so, so much about you is you <laughs> take the time and the energy and getting to know your client and, yeah. and you're a, a true trusted source is what I feel like. Yeah. And how many times have we worked on a memory and you're like, Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Oh, oh, rabbit hole. Sweet. Let's follow that for a while. <laughs> yes. I'm like, Tracy, I forgot that even happened. You're like, great. Let's, let's dive in. <laughs> yeah. Obviously your unconscious mind needed to let it go. And so, oh, rabbit hole. Okay. Back to the path. Oh, oh, now rabbit hole again. Whoop. Then we go here. So yeah. Uh, being able to deal with all the different rabbit holes that all connect to a journey um, because your brain is a 3d puzzle of neural pathways. So pulling them out one by one takes time. My way is a little bit faster. Traditional hypnotists like to take that one memory and just go way deep into it. But I'm like, mm, not all memories need that. Nope. You know, if you don't have a lot of resources with a memory, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but where people they'll go to therapy, maybe five different therapists on one issue. There's a lot more resources because they've had to keep reliving that experience. And every time they relive it, it changes. So now I have little mini rabbit holes that I got to clean up yes. as they remember different details that pop up. Oh, it's, it's something different every time I'm in there with you, but it's, yeah. I, I feel like I'm constantly learning and knowing and, and, and healing and addressing. And I'm like, oh, that's why I did that. That's why I think that way. That's why I believe this. And it's so important. I mean, the, the biggest journey you'll ever go on is, is the discovery of you. And I think hypnosis has really been um, just beyond critical. I think the last two years have been just a game changer for me as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as a partner, as a mom, um, get, diving into those places has been 
critical. So I cannot thank you enough. Oh, and you are so welcome. And thank you for all your referrals. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of referrals, tell my audience if they are interested, um, you do both Zoom and um, in person here in St. Pete and Tampa Bay, the whole Tampa Bay area. Yes. Um, tell them where they can find out more information on working with you. Okay, wingshypnosis.com, W-I-N-G-S-H-Y-P-N-O-S-I-S.com. And um, you can set up a consultation with the book online. Right now, it's, um, I think, $85 for the consultation, but you can apply that towards your first session or towards your package. Um, and we go through and do a pretty good intake on that one hour consultation. And I answer any questions you may have about how I work. Um, you can tell your whole life story and, you know, see if my methodology fits with what you're looking for. So. Guys book, just do the consultation. 85 bucks is two meals. It's so, so worth it. And, uh, connecting with her. So, uh, Tracy, I cannot thank you enough. We're breaking down to my audience and the stranded phase and the stranded family um, hypnosis, why it's so important. And I hope we were able to help some people really reconsider um, this, this modality in their life. So thank you so Excellent. much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to not only work with you, but um, your entire family. <laughs> <laughs> Literally my entire family. <laughs> and all of your friends. <laughs> and now my audience. Welcome guys. Join the club. <laughs> thank you, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.